Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello and welcome to the AEW Dynamite Preview. I'm Michael Sidgwick, joined by fellow Dudley boy Michael Hamford to discuss everything that's in store for us on tonight's show. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure to subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from for daily wrestling podcasts. We preview and review AEW Dynamite, AEW Rampage, WWE Raw, SmackDown, NXT 2.0. Oh! We have wrestler interviews. Uh, we also review pay-per-views and premium live events, hold roundtable discussions, and host a roundup of the week complete with a bloody good quiz, of course, on wrestle culture. Hamlet, this is a stacked dynamite tonight. It's a two-stack. Yeah, it's stacked and jacked, so why am I not jacked up for it? It's weird, this. Um, the CM Punk Penta announcement that dropped last night seemed to have this strange tipping point effect with people. I was super excited personally about this match. Your mileage may vary based on how much you like the wrestlers, etc., etc. But I was really excited by this match, and then the more I kind of... Poured over this card this morning, because as we often talk about, we're nerds that love this, whether or not we're recording or not. The more suddenly I kind of lost interest in some of the things underneath it. Again, to somebody else listening, or indeed yourself, it might be the Punk Penta match specifically. But what was two or three days ago feeling like the kind of perfect television show has now started to feel a bit much. I'm full before I've even started eating. Yeah, I don't know what the, the, the goal here is or what the ambition is here. And this is just speculation, but I don't know why they're doing a seven-match card, which I believe might be an AEW Dynamite record, with a promised brief overrun mm. to look out for. Is this kind of a response to panic among certain portions of the AEW fandom of, oh, there's a new sort of head honcho as part of this merger that's happened? Is this a little sort of, it's okay, they like us so much that they're even giving us a little bit of time. Mm. Is it a tactical sort of... Um, deal? Is it because they are not getting Rampage live in the arena because that's happening in a few days' time that they think, oh, well, they want to get their money's worth, you know, they, uh, AEW, to the detriment of the show, sometimes on pay-per-view conflates quality with length and duration. Mm. Um, I really don't know what it's they're doing. It's not nothing, is it, this overall? It's not nothing, but it's just, again, it's one of those things where you have to be kind of wary about how wildly the discourse swings from one sort of side to the other, and then sort of how much is that affected by all of our extremely online brains. Because mm. at the start of the week, the panic was, oh, AEW's dead because it's a woman who might not look who, like <laughs> blood in charge of the, of the of the network now. And now with this sort of overrun, the first time, Dynamite's going to go three hours and it's going to be the new Raw and it's going to suck. So mm. I don't know what it is, but I'm... I just have full faith in this company and, in fact, their relationship with uh, Warner, even though it's very different now. Look at the numbers. It's it's all probably going to be fine. But, yeah, it just feels like when CM Punk Penta Oscuro got announced, 
my initial thought was, huh, would have loved that next week. I would have absolutely loved that if on the penultimate quarter hour rundown of what's in store for us after this championship week, which it's being billed as, I would absolutely love that. And then I thought to myself, would I? And one of the reasons why I've got a little bit of hesitation, we'll get into right now with our actual um, segment by segment preview of the show. So yes, um, remind me because I've got my notes out of order here to talk about Jurassic Express versus Red Dragon. Something might actually get lost now (laughs) that I'm changing up the order now because it feels like the natural um, progression of the talking point. CM Punk versus Penta Oscuro. Now, everyone's initial reaction, other than mine, maybe I'm just a cynic at heart, even when it comes to the company I shill for, was jubilant. Everyone was absolutely ecstatic at the idea of this dream match. It's one of those things where Penta first sort of ascended to cult popularity and immense critical claim at literally the exact point, pretty much, where I think everyone realized, oh, CM Punk's not coming back for All In or AEW. He's not coming back at all Mm. because he's not going to want to go back to WWE for obvious reasons, but why wouldn't he come back to this where he can be a wrestler again? He didn't. This just felt like one of those ridiculous um, Photoshopped thumbnails that you would never uh, match graphics that you would never actually see, and yet it's happening and people are going wild. I've got reservations about the quality of this match. CM Punk, I just feel like it's got Styles Clash written all over it, and yeah. a Styles Clash, you know, it, it's certain wrestlers don't have in-ring chemistry. It's weird. Sometimes you can't guess it. You would have expected someone like Kevin Owens and AJ Styles from 2017, I think yeah, it yeah. was, to have just awesome in-ring chemistry. It just never happened. Mm. I have doubts about this one. CM Punk's very intricate, um, technical storyteller, excellent at the spaces between moves, building drama in the old-fashioned ways. Penta is a state-of-the-art guy whose best work genuinely has a lot of storyline depth to it, but is that me thinking they're just working the young books? His stuff is electrifying, if shallow, and CM Punk's best work is electrifying, but it's anything but shallow, and I just feel like they don't really... Can they coexist <laughs> is the question I'm asking here. We will get a massive pop when CM Punk takes his first Canadian Destroyer, yes. which is all but guaranteed in this match. But there's just something about it where I feel like neither of their immense strengths that are wildly divergent are going to be maximized by virtue of working the other. I think that's a reasonable concern. And if anything, it probably sells some of the spark to this match and this match graphic because it's so wildly unpredictable. But unpredictable doesn't necessarily always mean good. So that's why potentially this one could fall apart. It's the sheer... There is something spectacular about Punk next to Penta before you think. I'm always banging on about thinking and feeling, but I saw that graphic last night and I just felt loads. My heart just exploded in the sight of it. However, then when you think about it, it's here where you start to have maybe concerns or queries about how exactly it's going to play out between the two. Penta is bec- like... Really, if we're being honest, this is as much a situational problem as anything else. For the longest time, it felt as if AEW booking wasn't really showing up for Penta. So Penta kind of stopped showing up for AEW. Um, not so much in tag matches, but then again, what was being obscured by the Young Bucks or Phoenix or whoever else they were in the ring with. But also in singles matches, there was a lot wrong with Cody versus Penta. But what got lost in the conversation because of Cody kind of no-selling the arm stuff and then just winning easily at the end was that Penta wasn't really putting his back into it either. And then you sort of watch it back and think, well, if he's not that arse, then should we be that arse? And I speak as somebody that was very, very bothered about Penta for a long time. I was eagerly awaiting the day where the Lucha Brothers would get split so that Phoenix could have this run. Then almost mythologized WWE are looking for the next Rey Mysterio 
AEW had it in Phoenix as a babyface, whilst Penta goes off as a singles heel, heel and replicates everything he did in Lucha Underground. That replication manifested in the form of the derided, rightfully so, Penta Oscuro gimmick. So you don't know what Penta you're going to get. Like In my head, this is perfect, because CM Punk on this odyssey, this pro wrestling odyssey that he's on in AEW, now has to travel through one of the darkest corners of it in the form of like Penta's futuristic but horrifically dangerous style. On the other, it's CM Punk trying to drag something out of a guy that is maybe more about his silly gimmick than he is all of that emotion and all that feeling that we used to have. So it's I suppose it's maybe if you just lean optimistic or pessimistically on whether or not this, as you say, Styles Clash or this completely unpredictable match can deliver on the night. I want to just favour it because of Punk. I feel like no matter what they talk about backstage, no matter how they weave in the Canadian Destroyer, it's all going to be done pitch perfect because that's Punk's MO, pretty much. There's been a couple of duffers along the way, but they've they've definitely been rule-proven exceptions if you look at the body of his work yeah, so far. Yeah. And something I've been thinking about, that I, it feels unlikely, but they did it once, and it was so masterful, I'd almost like to see them try it again, which was the Brian Cage, Hangman Page precedent. They put a guy right, right there, Number one in the rankings, can't be shook. It's his time, it's his time, it's his time. And then that person suffers the worst of defeats at the worst time. CM Punk is still kind of selling the physical effects, physical and mental effects of his feud with MJF. That in itself sells that feud as this incredible thing that AEW achieved. What if he was to lose tonight, right when he's he's already visibly making the belt motion as if he believes he is the uncrowned champion? We're kind of watching this thinking... Punk page at double or nothing. It has to be. It's the biggest main event that AEW now have. It's super unpredictable. It would sell a ton of shows. But what if Tony Khan has got that four all out in Chicago? Yeah. And this is Punk's hurdle that we didn't need. With Hangman Page, we were always waiting for a hurdle. It was just we didn't think it would be that one. With Punk, we haven't even foreseen a hurdle. And now what if he hits one and Penta gets the most unlikely of wins and knocks him back? And this creates it being AEW spins off into something else, and Punk's got one last thing to prove to himself before he gets to Page later on down the line. I'm not saying it's maybe what I think is going to happen, but it's something that's gone in the back of my mind because AEW has shown us that it could. I'm not convinced that the result is in any doubt. However, there is one key match of several on this show where I am a little bit sort of um, unsure about the actual direction, and it's Jurassic Express versus Red Dragon. Mm. Now, there's a lot going on sort of alongside this, if you like, um, Christian Cage, this sort of very, 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 very long-term plan to eventually program him with Jungle Boy when the mentorship goes completely badly wrong. We got the first explicit hint away from the negging and all the rest of it that Christian Cage is fed up with his lot and written all over his face last week when he threw the bottle away after the defeat was, what about me? What about Christian? Um... Is my lot now to just look after young kids? Or, you know, should I just go and sort of realize my ambitions, which are kind of fading because my focus is on um, sort of trying to advance the career of my new mates? So that weaves into it, whether he could sort of, I don't think it's anything as trite as screwing Jurassic Express out of it, but, you know, a sort of a subtle or not so subtle hint of you should be cheating here, idiot, or whatever, and a miscommunication on the outside or whatever, or... Red Dragon simply winning the belts clean. Jurassic Express going, oh, you know, we can go again. And then Christian Cage goes, not the attitude I want you to have. I'm going to beat some sense into you or whatever. So that, there's that dramatic wrinkle to it. There's also the suboptimal reality that this tag division, at its best, has 
thoroughly outclassed and effectively made redundant Jurassic Express as champions. Mm. They're um, it's baby faces. They sort of probably peaked last year. Um, and FDR have completely overtaken them as the, the fans' choice of baby faces. They're nowhere near as big, sort of in brash, and have the same presence as the young bucks. So they are sort of... They're also runs in the division of which are the champions, so that's not ideal. And that leads me to believe that we might get Red Dragon actually going over and winning the belts mm. uh, tonight. A little bit of a fantasy book and note um, to that um, prediction on my part is that Battle of the Belts could become a very literal, fantastically literal um, show name if, in fact, Red Dragon wins because there's only Nyla Rose versus Thunder Rosa announced so far. Yeah. And they've already done the world title match can't imagine the TNT title match. In fact, they've already said that isn't really going to happen. It's going to be a mixed tag. Um, that leaves few options on the table, one of which could be this incredible three-way tag for th- uh, three championships. But who do you think wins, and do you think they can get the match right? Because as great as the match was at Revolution, there's always, we've said this about eight times on this podcast, but that's how good they are. The Young Bucks were in it, so how can you yeah. tell? They are automatically going to work at minimum a four-star match. Um, I think Red Dragon really need a killer tag team match because, especially with Kyle O'Reilly sort of going on paternity almost the second he arrived, he doesn't really feel like he's been there, mm. and I think he needs to feel like he's there. Luckily, he's with the informed Bobby Fish. Yes. The, the ageless Bobby Fish, so he'll be fine. I do think there's going to be a title change. The quality of the match, I'm not terribly worried about. Red Dragon, as the Undisputed Era in NXT, were at various points, like 1A and 1B to the revival in terms of how good they were as a cut-off heel tag team. Um, they had they held those belts for a long time, and if you think of the matches against the likes of Mustache Mountain, uh, Danny Burch and Only Larkin. That was awesome. Man. You know, they knew how to do that cut-off stuff almost as, like, delightfully as the revival, um, in what needed to be, typically they were like takeover openers, or just rippers, like an absolute enforced ripper. And that's why I expect tonight for, not just for Jurassic Express to show that they still can, but because they'll want to, you know, Jungle Boy especially will want this tag to, I, I don't think any of these wrestlers are ever not attuned to what people feel about them. And they'll probably know themselves, Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus, that this doesn't feel all that hot. I think they've, I'm going to I'm gonna actually tag it something now because I've been whinging all about this division for years. I'm going to call it trickle-down tagonomics, which is something that I believe the Young Bucks thinks works in a division that doesn't, you stack the roster and then you only tell one or two stories, but there's so many teams that you just think the story drips down to all these others. I don't think it does. I don't think that's ever really been successful. I can think of several Young Bucks storylines in this division and I can think of an FTR one when they were feuding with the Young Bucks and Red Dragon when they were folded in with the Young Bucks. Let's but not forget Paige and Omega. Page Everything Omega. around that was phenomenal in 2020, in my opinion, even also, during the pandemic. Also including the Young Bucks. Like, for the most part, the best tag storylines have somehow centred around the Young Bucks. And when the champions aren't the Young Bucks, like, I'm thinking of, like, Moxley and Kingston as well. Like, their hottest point as a tag team was when they were sidelined off into a feud with the Young Bucks. I think it's good intention stuff. I don't blame Matt and Nick Jackson for it. I just don't think it's necessarily translated all that well um, when the champ when they haven't been involved in the title picture or the title picture has been completely separate from them. I think it suffered, and I think uh, Jurassic Express have suffered with that. Their title, if you look at their um, their title reign, it's always been this like earnest attempt to make them fighting babyface champions. A team rises up the rankings, Jurassic Express knocks them back down. There's nothing fundamentally wrong in that. 
but they just haven't felt as over as, especially as you say, FTR, the way that yeah. FTR have sort of are having the best year they've had probably since 2015, 2016. So the timing's qu- been quite bad for Jurassic Express. I just think the match will absolutely rule tonight. I don't see the, the turn, but I do think that the repu- their reputation will be thought of better as a result of how their reign ends rather than maybe what was happening for the duration of it. I quite like the idea of them losing tonight and... You know, the human beings, I know one's a dinosaur, but the human beings that can feel angry about the loss and maybe kind of be a bit frayed at the ends. And Christian takes one look at that and he gets in the middle of it and he's the stir that straws the drink, as he often was in WWE when he was a creepy little bastard. And then you have the rematch, probably, that Jurassic Express lose. And then Christian maybe snaps on Jungle Boy for not showing enough of that edge or not, as you say, cheating when he told him he should have done. Jungle Boy wants to stay true to who he is rather than what Christian's advised him to do. And then you get the feud off that. I don't, maybe they'll do the turn, but I, I don't know. I think there's, I don't think there's yet enough build to that. For them to only be explicit about the problems for one week followed by a turn, it'd feel a bit forced, rushed. wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah a bit rushed. feel a bit rushed, absolutely. Um, and another just ridiculous match graphic on this show, and there's at least two more to go. Uh, or at least one more to go. Uh, Samoa Joe versus Minoru Suzuki <laughs> for the ROH television title. I'm expecting the switch here. I think Minoru Suzuki's a guy who can just lose and lose and lose. And New Japan don't mind him losing and losing and losing because he can just do one really sadistic, wicked facial expression and he just gets his heat back and mm-hmm. he'll be absolutely fine. I expect Samoa Joe versus Minoru Suzuki when they are in the ring to get a holy chance because it's one of those dream match graphics writ large. I think they will do almost next to nothing in this match and use their incredible auras and crowd psychology to manipulate the audience into thinking it's the most unmissable, white-hot um, just pairing that they've ever seen for 15 minutes until the next one on this mm-hmm. bloody show. I'm expecting minimal content, a lot of chops, not much in the way of um, bumping or like really highly charged energetic sequences but I think they'll get so much out of so little, and it'll just be something that young less, uh, wrestlers should aspire to one day be able to work when they are like in their sort of twilight phase of their career. Yet, loads of great stuff by doing nothing. What are your thoughts on how hard they'll go or who wins? Yeah, aura, man, just aura. This is the work rate, um, Hulk Hogan, The Rock, WrestleMania 18. Yeah. You know, like, I'm already imagining uh, Samoa Joe arms folded trying to no-sell Kazanina Ray as Suzuki gets in the ring, assuming that he enters second as champion. Just little moments between those two where it's more about, your kind of your memories are less about the holds, the counter holds, and what little they do bell to bell, just about this. It's the idea made real. Yeah. And I think they'll just, they'll play with that so much. Joe winning with the muscle buster makes so much sense to me because you kind of, Suzuki can lose, but there's probably no need for Joe to tap him out, whereas the muscle buster we know to be this fearsome move that has done as much real damage as it has done kayfabe over the years. It, it's beaten the best, and he's in a place where he's allowed to use it again freely, We and hopefully without injury and without cost to anybody else. Um, so Suzuki taking that, the very like visual of that in my mind is captivating. Yeah. It's thrilling. Suzuki has found himself where he shouldn't be, sat on the top turnbuckle, prone for Samoa Joe's like, kill shot. It's it's brilliant this booking. It's so it's such a, a cool way as well. I would compare it, and not just because Suzuki's getting up there in age, but I would compare this a little bit to how ECW would use Terry Funk. Um, Paul Heyman was always full of praise for like Terry Funk giving so much back to ECW and Funk himself wanting to give something to ECW because he saw it as this the future that wrestling needed. Wrestling needed to move forward, and he wanted to help. Suzuki can 
go way more than Funk could at their respective ages. But Tony Khan, the booker, probably sees Suzuki as a guy because of age and because of access. He's not going to have all the time. So this isn't one to waste. It's one to get to right now. Joe becoming um, a Ring of Honor, albeit television champion, is perfect because he seems to fit in Tony Khan's Ring of Honor. If that is going to exist as a little bit of a developmental league, Joe is a perfect gatekeeper in Ring of Honor, not least with the mid-card title, not least with Battle of the Belts coming up, where somebody, I apologize, forget the name, pointed out to me on Twitter, Ring of Honor. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Before we go any further, though, this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Now, we all carry around different stresses. They can be big life worries or just, you know, little things like your favorite wrestler not being used properly. The thing is, when we keep them bottled up, it really can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. It is really helpful, too, for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. Therapy basically empowers you to be the best version of yourself. So why not give better help a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and best of all, suited to your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash whatculture today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash whatculture. The belts are now perfect for Battle of the Belts because it's a way for Tony Khan to keep his big matches for Dynamite and Rampage while still delivering something for Battle of the Belts that feels meaningful. Yeah. Because the first one, he kind of failed at that, didn't he? He, yes. was trying to, he was trying to juggle it and he failed. So this time it was an interim title in the FTW title, was it? Yeah. Wasn't it? The women's title as well with yeah. Baker and Riho. In what was like kind of transparently Baker's last defense before Thunder Rosa. Yeah. You know? Um, the Ring of Honor titles are not that. You could have hot matches for belts that still mean something without having to sacrifice your big AEW title matches. So Joe having that belt is like another inspired me. I've got like good feelings so far about this this potential era of Ring of Honor and the purpose it can serve. Yeah, me too. Uh, before we move on, very quickly, I've got a different finish in mind. And there's a match, I think it was 2020, G1 Climax, when everything else was pretty horrible in New Japan because of the atmosphere and, you know, evil. <laughs> and there was a match between Kota Ibushi and Suzuki mm-hmm. in the G1 where Kota Ibushi just kicked him to death, basically, to win. 
and Suzuki sold the pinfall by like smiling through it. Yeah. Like he was just enjoying the fact that he had a fight, <laughs> basically. And he's just like went out on his sword and just smiled all the way. He could smile locked in the Coquina clutch, but like the eyes just because his facial expressions yeah. are incredible. So if he just dies behind the eyes, but the smile's still fixed on his face, I think that would be an incredible finish. I'm loving being choked out by this guy. Yeah. yeah. Like, just delighted that someone's as hard as he yeah. is, and he can just be hard again. That should be great. Um, MJF versus Captain Sean Dean. We expect this to be set dressing ahead of the latest Wardlow angle. Um, we get wrong-footed by this company all the time. Mm. They don't do the same things every single week. They will escalate things in a way that you think, oh, that's genius, I would never have thought of that. That's what great storytellers should be able to do. So I don't know exactly how they're going to reintroduce Wardlow. You'd expect the natural, um, logical escalation is get more security, block off, or block off all of the exits and all the rest of it. Otherwise, you're an incompetent organization and you have derivative, repetitive, creative. We know that AEW does not do this whatsoever. So I don't know how they don't do the same thing every single week, but they do, so I look forward to that. Um, is there any chance of an upset here on the back of Wardlow somehow steamrolling through? I just feel like it's so easy for um, Wardlow to just come in. The security hasn't been sort of stacked, despite mm. the repeated sort of um, unwanted invasions, if you like. He comes in, distraction finish, MGF. They are going to do something so much better than this. Do you have any idea what it is? I don't know. So I, I love elements of this. I love, yet again, to go back to just a just a perfect thing that Sean Dean was introduced to this world through the MJF CM Punk rivalry. And I thought he would, because AEW is more about competition than it is banana skins, I kind of thought he would be more pissed off with CM Punk than he was, but instead he went the other direction and he enjoyed lording it over MJF as a guy that never really gets an opportunity, being one of the reasons why MJF was suddenly out of the title picture, uh, you know, actually costing him a win. So a little bit of me thinks that they might repeat the spot, as it were. Wardlow's breaking and entering act does what, like, he's... Because we've already seen... be week three as well. We've already seen that Wardlow has learned a little bit from CM Punk. Wardlow is empowered by CM Punk to make the right decisions in his life. What if he now mirrors what CM Punk did and comes in not to attack MJF, but to say... Spears, Sean Dean, to cause yet again MJF to lose by disqualification to Sean Dean. Sean Dean gets another win on his record against MJF. MJF is furious, and MJF remains... like So he has held Wardlow back, obviously physically with security, but by simply not allowing him to get anywhere near him. What if Wardlow continues to not allow MJF to get near the title by costing him the match, but not through MJF getting pinned? MJF takes these matches, we know this, because he's contractually obligated, and in Sean Dean's case kind of a little bit pissed off after what happened to him in the CM Punk thing. So what if they repeat the spot and it shows that Wardlow has picked up not just how to physically, because we're seeing this physical dominance, right? Not just the physical dominance over MJF, but he's learned from MJF that you kind of, from Punk, that you've got to get in his head as well. And he shows that he's got the he's got the head for this as well as the, the body. I wouldn't put it past AEW to do this. And by this, I mean the thing I'm about to say. Have you... Uh, don't blame you for never doing this in your life. <laughs> but have you been on Reddit Squared Circle of late? No, I'm not, no. I, try, I, I go in there when I absolutely have to. Yeah, 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 it's, yeah, not yeah. A, it's not a morning clicker as it maybe once used to have been. I, c I couldn't take it anymore. Yeah, no, I don't want to be part of it either. <laughs> but they've, there's like, there's always one thing on Squared Circle. You get a thread, right? It's absolutely toxic. It's always like one good mm. um, top comment. There's also the odd good post. There's also Bret Hart buries this, which is just... <laughs> Absolutely incredible. Like it's worth going on there alone just to just to follow his um, activity. But there's a uh, there's a 
theory circulating. I think it's started and is still within the, the squared circle uh, Reddit thread where there's a ripped cameraman or a ripped camera operator to be more politically correct about things, mm-hmm. which we like to do on this podcast. Have you noticed this? Have you seen this? Have you heard about this? I have seen this because this whatculture.com have talked about it briefly in a news video. <laughs> Potentially being Cesaro yeah. for whatever reason hiding in plain sight. <laughs> There's a, a guy is shredded. Uh-huh. If you if you know to look out for him, there's a ripped camera <laughs> operator wearing a mask in AEW. Is it a conscientious of public health, skilled industry professional who just happens to really enjoy bodybuilding as a pastime? Mm. Or, potentially, have they hired some hunk, <laughs> taught him the basics? I don't even turn his camera on. Yeah. He doesn't know any different. Have they hired a hunk to masquerade as a camera operator so that it doesn't look immediately obvious that Wardlow's underneath yeah. the kit. Oh, that's just a rip guy. It's fine. It's just a jack cameraman. And it's, in mask. fact, Wardlow, and that's how he gets at MJF this week. I love that. And I also love, knowing you as well as I do, that you desperately want to get back in front of them for when they did you with the Don Callis, Kenny Omega contract yes. signing. <laughs> so it's, it's all rooted in that as well. Like, I'll, I'll spot it next time. I love that. And it w- AEW have done stuff like this before. I don't even think at this point, after three years, whatever, that's even given them too much credit. The the wrong foots are often some of the most joyous moments. Can you remember this? It's just briefly reappeared in my head after this. They did this with Orange Cassidy. Yes. Yeah, yeah. They did this with Orange Cassidy when it was, I think it was, because it was when the, it was when Cassidy was, I think, I might have got like the, the, the storylines or the chronology wrong here. I think it was when Orange Cassidy was feuding with Chris Jericho. Mm-hmm. And they did um, the sex gods, Guevara and Jericho, one of Chris Jericho's many underrated tag yeah. teams, because he's amazing at it, versus best friends. And Orange Cassidy, unbeknownst to anyone, was underneath like, the camera operator mm-hmm. thing with a mask on because they're all very thoughtful because they thought, oh, that's a way of getting away with it. Every now and then, the camera cut to the one, the director cut to his camera, and because it's Orange Cassidy being lazy, it was like pointing at the floor, yeah. and then they hurriedly <laughs> went to a different <laughs> shot. And they did this wonderful angle where it's like, you could absolutely believe that no one thinks that's Orange Cassidy, and yet the clues were there all along. Yeah. So I wouldn't put a pass on to do something like it's this. An, it's nice detail, and as you say, it's maybe only week three. The cool thing is as well, like we're say three or four weeks into this, it's super over. We keep saying every week, oh, it's so hot in the building. So it doesn't, even when he's just charging through people and battering them. You could just do it again. Yeah, like people love it. So that maybe th- a little bit of their thinking is, well, people like it. Let's give them more of it. You know, so you get like a few more weeks of this. But I would certainly welcome them getting more creative with how Wardlow gets in the building. So Although, otherwise, like, oh, it's an cool. incompetent company that puts yeah. its security Sooner in. or later, it crosses over to that, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Maybe tonight's not the night, but we'll see. Um, three more things to preview, Jesus Christ. Um, <laughs> Keith Lee and Swerve Strickland, um, you'd expect tying up their conflict with Team Taz. Um, so it's Keith Lee and Swerve Strickland versus Powerhouse Hobbs and Ricky Starks. Given how new... Um, Baby faces are. I would firmly expect them to go over here. What happens with Team Taz, I guess, is preview content for next week. Um, I don't know if it feels like as much of a formality to you, and we shall see. But I'm very much looking forward to this. I think Swerve Strickland and Ricky Starks had a very disappointing match on Rampage, considering I had enormous expectations for it. Ricky Starks did stuff in this match that I genuinely was baffled by. I don't know what he was thinking. He looked weird in there. You want him to be the picture of cool, the picture of composure. And I thought, you're doing weird things here. <laughs> uh, a, a sort of a double rock version of a people's elbow. It was just mm. bizarre. They were sort of 
the Swerve Strickland issue is that his movements and his rope runs are so unique that it's difficult for a wrestler who's got their own pattern, everybody else's pattern, to sort of work alongside him. So it's a challenge, and I don't think Ricky Starks did the very best version of leveling up to it, but the happy byproduct of that is they've worked together now. They've sort of established the kinks, hopefully, ironing out the kinks of their chemistry. And this was not a problem for Keith Lee and Powerhouse Hobbs. I thought they were absolutely unbelievable together. Um, So you'd hope that they've had enough time to sort of familiarize themselves with their movements and their sort of arsenals (laughs) and all the rest. And I'm expecting Strickland and Starks to work the the, the version of the match they should have had on Rampage, all of which is to build and enhance the the Hoss showdown, which should be electrifying. I'm so high on this that I'm almost a little bit annoyed at this stacked dynamite for kind of threatening to sort of, I don't know, it just underserves how much I've enjoyed the storyline. The fact that it just feels like another talking point when I feel like it could be a main event. Yeah, something is destined to suffer tonight, and it could be this. It could be lots of the other things, but it could definitely be this. Oddly, for me, one of the things, like I've, I've seen a bit of this online, uh, how and I don't mind it, but how there's been a like a quiet brand split between Rampage and Dynamite, hasn't there? There's been regulars, should we say, on one show rather than the other. We've never had Hook on Dynamite yet. All of this angle has taken place pretty much exclusively, unless I'm forgetting a segment on Rampage. Certainly, the matches have, uh, and it almost feels weird that this is on Dynamite instead of the live Rampage coming up on Friday. I think it deserves a hotter crowd, which is fair enough. Uh, but then you would expect. The live rampage to be just as a hot. Page and call in forty-five minutes, brother. Yeah, it, it might go that way, doesn't it? But so I guess that's maybe why it's here because it's a payoff. It's definitely a payoff. I'm with you. I think it's a formality in terms of a result, and I do worry a little bit about the quality. I loved um, Keith Lee. I've loved everything actually. Keith Lee and Powerhouse Hobbs have done together. That's been ex- exactly as brilliant as you would have imagined. Um, but I, oh, I'm not. Swerve Swerve gets plenty of time, as everybody does. We're fair and we're consistent. Everyone gets plenty of time to find their footing and you can go a little while before you start thinking, oh, have they really got this? Are they right for this? All that sort of stuff. But I'd like it from Swerve sooner rather than later because of just how much I love him. Yeah. And I've not felt it terribly yet in AEW. So maybe the, a tag match, a payoff, all of these things are going to coalesce to make this finally feel like his night. Keith Lee, as a hot tag, is inspired because they've done so well at... You know, there's been some criticisms which I think are really unfair about Keith Lee's pace and about like his physical condition and all that sort of stuff. I'm just not seeing it. It's, it's why I'm not saying it is because I'm genuinely not seeing it. But typically the next day, a lot of people are coming at Keith Lee for, for maybe not being quite fully recovered from his terrible... It's not as dynamic as he used to be. Yeah, but, but I'm not... they book it around it so well that yeah. I don't really care. I'm not really feeling it in the matches as they're taking place. It's maybe after the fact that somebody, you know, you watch something back and you're like, I'm like a step slower, but so what? As a hot tag guy. That shouldn't be a concern. And they've been amazing at the Keith Lee big visuals. You know, like NXT spammed them a little bit towards the end, but whether it be rising up, whether it be bursting through walls like we got last week, they're nailing it. And I think they can do that within the context of a match here as well. So I fully expect this to over-deliver as long as it's not overwhelmed by the rest of the show. Yeah, absolutely. Next, we've got penultimate talking point here is something that I cared about significantly more before this show got really ultimately stupidly stacked. Kingston, Santana and Ortiz, Jericho, Hager, Daniel Garcia. I think it's great. I feel like if there's one match that I'm going to take a little bit less, pay a little bit less attention to, it's this. Sadly, I just think it's going to be a victim of, um, again, this stacked show. I've got an idea for how it starts. Jericho, um, Appreciation Society, come out. Judas sing along. 
euphorically just completely and utterly ruined because on site they come out of the other tunnel, start beating them up. You cut off Judas mid-match. Chris Jericho could have an absolute whale of a time selling how disrespectful that is mm. in the weeks to come. Um, this feels like it's not going to go particularly um, long or they're not going to reserve their very best ideas for it because this is destined to culminate in something bigger on a bigger stage. I expect it to be fun while it lasts. I expect the heels to win. Um, Kingston got the, war, uh, the win at Revolution. The numbers game with 2.0 can catch up to him. That could potentially summon um, two extra um, faces on the babyface side, whether that's in the post-match angle or the need to get help and... There's going to be intrigue on who that might be. So all of this feels like table setting for something else that happens. And on a stack show like this, that feels like it could have waited a week. Yeah. Um, I'm super into the angle, which is why I'm a little bit sad that this match feels like either... Kingston on-sighted Garcia at New Japan Strong as well. Brilliant. Just brilliant. Like, I'm so glad that they've... That's what the Forbidden Door should, uh, forbidden door should facilitate. Yeah, that's, what, like that's that. what you should use this relationship for more than just dream matches or graphics or whatever, because um, it's supposed to feel real. The whole point of on-site is that Eddie Kingston isn't going to follow the rules of, I can beat you up once a week when the cameras are rolling. That, like, and to be able to sell that in some way. like We've not yet had the vignette of Eddie Kingston holding his phone and knocking on Chris Jericho's front door. So now I found out where you live too, because yeah. I know where Danny Garcia lived and stuff like that. They could well get to that. Uh, or he's watched back old tapes of the Bubbly Bunch and been able to figure out where Jericho is yeah. from what, or something like that. Um yeah, it's set up, and I guess if it's set up stuff, I guess you can justify it being marginalised slightly on this on this busy dynamite. I'm bang game into either Stadium Stampede three, no, when, when they return to Daly's place or Blood and Guts if it's going to be not another Stadium Stampede, double or nothing. Don't manifest that, dickhead. I think I prefer. I've I've got faith in it because I've seen um, Jericho do this as a heel and it work versus as that bit the the idea that was too big which was the inner circle working as the baby faces against the pinnacle they never gave enough to you in the first place I actually think this feud suits it more than the last stadium stampede feud did so I like I'd, I'd be willing to give them one more bash when the next go to, uh, not least because that's kind of the point of on site as well isn't it, it wherever you are in the building we're going to deck you a TV stadium stampede maybe I could tolerate yeah. the problem is you know what they might do it because something between double or nothing and the um the DDT esque match they had Kenny and Matt Hardy versus Sammy and Jericho yeah and it was awesome yeah like something the witches had stuff yeah the cherry picker moonsault as, as a 15 to 20 minute dynamite main event that could be your stadium Sam P3 the next time they're at dailies or blood and guts on the on the paper it makes sense because um it's a proven pay-per-view draw except it's sort of outlived its usefulness because it was such a great thing to do during the pandemic yeah. Maybe TV is a happy medium for it. On that, if it's on TV and they're not using it to sell a pay per view, I'll be just about tolerant of it. But I thought the charm wore off big time during the second one. But, but we, it's, it's certainly the the idea. I'm as excited now. I'd love to see 2.0 in a match like that. Yeah, like and I'm and I'm genuinely excited and intrigued as to where Kingston Santana and Ortiz go for their partners because previously, like Danielson and Moxley slotted in of a fashion. Danielson less so, but Moxley certainly. But now they're a bigger group. BCC are bigger than they were, so maybe they need to look elsewhere. And uh, does a team get super over as a result of helping out, like you know, uh, Kingston, Santana, and Ortiz? You stand to get a couple, like Top Flight, for example. Yeah. Don't half get over and gain an edge in the process by helping out these guys. They could be perfect for it. Um, I your think baby face a butcher on the blade. 
Yeah. Oh, yes. That definitely that. I think Santana and Ortiz take the pin tonight, and I think ultimately they, when this all pays off, they one of them gets the pin over Chris Jericho because they're telling quite a nice story of Jericho kind of prodding their insecurity about what they can do without him, and then so far being proven right. Yeah. So I quite like where they're going with that until the big finish where Kingston helps them get the redemption they deserve. Yeah, absolutely. One last match um, again. Usual women's stuff. Like I feel bad. Uh, previewing it in this sort of like sort of afterthought of a tone but it's it's infectious this was just very obviously it's gonna go like what two minutes mm. three minutes at maximum the idea it's marina shafir versus sky blue and the idea is to present marina shafir to the tv audience as someone who holds a legitimate threat to the tbs title held, held by jade cargill and um, you're gonna see sort of a, a Minimal highlight reel best of of what Shafia can do. And she has impressed on AEW Dark. She looks like a completely different performer because they actually are booking around her limitations and letting her aura sort of speak for itself. Um, Sky Blue's pretty great at getting absolutely annihilated. So it should be good enough on that basis. Um, I just pray that this is, on the first hour, capitalize on the hot crowd and they are conditioned to, like, it's a piss break, and mm. I'm sick of it. Um, come on, give us a little bit of uh, optimism about the presentation, the the scheduling, anything about this match. I love what they've done with Marina Shafir in a bubble because you get this match where she wins tonight, and we've talked about this before. I know there's debate about whether like dark or dark elevation really counts. I suppose technically it does, but we sort of exist thinking, well, you've got to watch Dynamite or Rampage. And to be fair, AEW do book as those are the shows that matter and the other ones are inessential. But they've done the highlights thing with Marina Shafir. They've kind of made a point of having Jade Cargill and Smart Mark Sterling speak her threat into existence, even if you've not had a chance to watch her work, um, which you're going to get tonight. The, so the problem for me isn't the match or indeed how they might present it. It'd be nice to think it's going to go first hour. It's still looking at this card. It still feels like the the piss break spot before whatever they choose from this show as the main event. The problem is that you keep you keep doing... Marina Shafir is this right now, but I will buy the build-up less and less and less because I know that she's going to lose to Jade Cargill because this is how you build up all your title challenges all the time. It didn't matter if it was Jade Cargill amassing a streak. It didn't really matter if it was Britt Baker keeping her title. Um, it's not even really mattering that much now that Thunder Rosa's got it because they're kind of doing the same thing with... Um, uh, Name's falling out on my head, which is terrible because she's always in this spot. Nyla Rose. Nyla Rose, thank you. Like, they always put Nyla Rose in this spot. So she's kind of like a bit of an outlier. But every title match feels built almost identically. You kind of don't know what somebody's up to. And then, as if by magic, you know they're up to three weeks and it's because they're going to be a losing contender. So it's more that tonight, I can, if I put the blinkers on, I can receive Marina Shafir as this cool talent that's a real threat. But I've seen the process play out time and time and time and time again. So when Jade Cargill wins, when she wins, what then? Do we go to the next person that is currently winning two or three matches on Dark and see a highlights package of her? That's the big issue. The two minutes, the two, three minutes of the match we get should be quite fun. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, just it's hard not to be cynical about this. It's like six men's matches and all of them are like got huge ramifications or like a massive like high quality ceiling. And it just feels like a cheat code to yeah. get the optics of, oh, we have to have women on. Obviously, all the bloody people are going to say about that. Am I being too cynical? Let me know in the comments <laughs> underneath uh, this podcast link on Twitter at WhatCultureWWE. Uh, whilst you're there, of course, you can follow Michael Hamflit at... Michael Hamflit. You can follow me at M. Sidgwick. Our review of AEW Dynamite will drop in your feeds tomorrow, and I'm sure we'll do something else for you as well. Yeah. Um, but Dynamite is our flagship. Um, screw Raw. 
Dynamite <laughs> is the flagship podcast. Make sure to join us for that tomorrow. Um, and until then, thanks for listening. We always appreciate it, and we will see you soon. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.